Hi, this is John Reed with the Free From Corporate America radio show. On this radio show, I go into certain details about different chapters in the book and try to provide some context for them so you can get a better feeling for what the chapters are about and also how some of the thinking has evolved uh, from the versions that you see here to the final versions that are going to appear in my upcoming book. I certainly welcome emails on these topics, and you can reach me through the website, freefromcorporateamerica.com. So I want to dig in a little bit to the financial section of the book. The financial chapters in the book are a little different than the rest of the book. The rest of the book is designed uh, actually for each chapter to sort of be an all-inclusive essay uh, on a particular topic. So you can kind of take one idea in a chapter and take something out of it. Now they are tied together and ultimately they're meant to be read in order, but the idea is you could kind of pick one and tackle one particular topic and you kind of take it with you and take the ideas from it. So I like that aspect of the book, but when I ran into the financial section of the book, I found that the financial issues were a little too complex to try to cover in one installment. So I guess you could look at the financial chapters which appear towards the end of the book as sort of a culmination of everything that's come before, but then how do you apply that to your financial circumstances? And there's different pieces of it, but the theme of the financial chapters in my book are pretty simple, really, which is now that we have our philosophy of developing assets and developing an entrepreneurial approach to our career, we need some ways of measuring our progress and defining how we're going to free ourselves from corporate America on strict financial terms. And one of the things we're going to do is essentially borrow the financial statements that businesses use to assess their financial health. And the reason for that really is that businesses have a really good way of assessing finances from a fairly unemotional perspective because a business obviously that isn't profitable cannot exist. (laughs) The same is certainly not true of the average human being. Uh, A lot of us can run well into debt for quite some time without (laughs) encountering any uh, threats to our existence. But at some point, if a business runs up too much debt, it's going to go under. And uh, so as a result, businesses have to develop financial statements and ways of measuring progress and growth that I think are really more powerful than the statements that the average individual tends to use. So in these chapters, I take a look at a few of the key business financial statements and apply them to how one would approach their own personal finances. And I also take a look at it from the vantage point that a lot of times things we like to think of as assets really ultimately aren't. And so I've talked about that earlier in the book. And when you start looking at this part of the book, a lot of financial gurus and such will tell you, well, you own a home, so you're in good shape. But the way a home appears on a balance sheet is a little problematic. So In this particular chapter, uh, we're going to kick off the finance section of the book with my chapter on reckoning with your balance sheet. And the balance sheet has become a little more popular in recent years in the personal financial press, but the balance sheet is essentially just a two-column spread of your assets and liabilities. Sometimes it's listed in one longer column uh, with one uh, subtracted from the other, and then you have uh, essentially a net gain or or loss uh, essentially is one way of looking at it. I think there's a better term for it. But So 
some people call it the net worth, I guess, so you could have a negative or positive net worth once you add up your liabilities and your assets. So the value of these forms is basically relating to our underlying goal. Now, many people have thought conventionally about retirement as, I want to save a particular number for a particular time, and then I can walk away. And the idea is, oh, I want to save this much amount of money, and so people try to figure out what that is, and they sock that money away into 401ks and such and hope for the best, uh, maybe pay down their house and hope they can sell that eventually. So that's sort of a conventional view of retirement, and I'm not at all opposed to retirement planning as part of someone's financial strategy, but I do think it's overrated for the purposes of what we're talking about in this book. Free from Corporate America, the theme of the book is that we shouldn't – not only should we get ourselves out from under the heel of deadening work – but we should not necessarily wait till retirement to truly live. So how is it that we can apply these financial lessons now and experience a better quality of life sooner rather than later? So for that reason, socking money away in particular retirement accounts and hoping to eventually access it, that's only one part of the strategy. It doesn't do anything for us in the day-to-day. -day. Sometimes we can borrow against that money and apply it towards particular restricted items such as Sometimes education applies our first home purchase, but for the most part, when we put money away, we're going to face pretty significant penalties if we pull it out. So the question becomes, you know, how is it we can look at shorter-term goals and how can we measure them? And so this isn't something I can cover in just one podcast. So in this one, I'm looking at the reckoning with your balance sheet chapter and talking about essentially how the balance sheet becomes a snapshot of your overall financial health. It's not the full picture because you have to also take a look at your cash flow uh, and your income from year to year and those are different statements. Um, but the thing about the balance sheet is that a lot of times when people get excited about it, they do things like, uh, you know, my house is worth $260,000 so I'm going to put that on there and, you know, suddenly that, the asset column starts looking pretty good uh, against whatever debts we've taken out. But for our purposes, we're not going to count assets that are essentially tied up and can't be liquidated. We're only counting those things that really can be liquidated. And so, you know, we're not going to include things like family heirlooms that would basically break our hearts to liquidate either. We're only going to count things we would truly sell. Uh, I talk in the chapter about, like, DVD and CD collections that are probably worth a grand, but, you know, I'm not going to sell that stuff. So, you know, why can I, I can't put it on this balance sheet then. So as you read through the chapter, you'll see a sample of how one might construct such a balance sheet. Uh, I also talk about how uh, on the home side, yes, you can list your home as an asset, but on the second hand, you can't just put it there. If you have enough home equity that you could refinance and take money out, then you can list that amount on our asset sheet. So essentially, we're trying to take a picture of how much cash on hand we have or how much you know debt we have at this particular time. So we're not going to list the total mortgage value of our home. We're going to list what we actually think we own. Now, if we paid for the house and we were going to sell it, then, okay, we're going to sell that. And there I say, well, you have to figure out what you're going to buy next because a lot of times 
you don't just sell a house and just pocket the money. You sell a house and you buy another one. So you got to, uh, on my balance sheet here for Free From Corporate America, you have to basically take the difference between those two, the sale of the current house, the purchase of the new, and the difference becomes what you can put on hand. So what we're trying to do is to develop some cash on hand. So what I say here in the book is we approach the balance sheet differently because our premise is that 9 to 5 living is not going to get us there. The new plan is to stop putting all our cash into inaccessible IRAs and instead use it to fund the creation of our own income-generating assets. These assets will give us a home-run potential we didn't have before, and they will ultimately increase our job satisfaction as we get close to working on our own terms. So the balance sheet essentially will do it every year, every six months, or what have you, and we'll try to take a snapshot of the amount of cash we have on hand according to our assets. Now, I'm going to get into in a couple of chapters from now what you can do once you start figuring out that cash, what are the implications of that. So let's say, for example, you have an, an asset balance of $25,000 in cash that's outside of retirement accounts that's on your balance sheet. Now, you're going to be able to apply that towards some particular entrepreneurial visions. And so we'll talk a little bit about you know, how you can practically apply that cash once you've uh, determined that it exists on your balance sheet by adding up your various assets. I talk a little bit in here about how to treat your car and different things so you can get that from the chapter. So just to be clear, what we're doing here is we're kind of creating an unconventional balance sheet. Uh, we're not listing a lot of stuff that might typically get listed as an asset. We're not listing retirement accounts. Uh, we're only listing things on a, on the asset side that we could cash out. So you might ask me, well, you know, that's a really unconventional approach. You know, that's not going to work for me. My point is essentially you can go ahead and create your conventional balance sheet if you want, uh, the one that your accountant might like you to do or what have you, or or the one that your accounting program like a Quicken might actually generate for you. But what I'm saying is go ahead and create that if you want, but then create your free from corporate America balance sheet with a specific understanding of taking a snapshot of how much cash on hand do you have? Or if you have a debt after all that, what is that total debt? And then from year to year, you're trying to take a snapshot and you're trying to figure out how much cash you have on hand that's free to be invested in certain projects. So, you know, this may start out small, but it may grow from year to year. And it may eventually grow to $30,000, $40,000. And at a certain point, depending on what your objectives are, that seed money becomes incredibly useful to you as far as making a shift in your life way, way before retirement age. Uh, I'll go into some of the different examples of things that I've seen people do once they have reached that point. You know, you could basically look at things like uh, the option to switch over to part-time work, but you need money saved in order to do that. Uh, the vision I describe here is not one of complete uh, throw your career to the wind risk. It's basically a strategic approach that minimizes risk, though you're always going to take a bit of a jump into the breeze when you make these moves. But the approach is to do it in a practical, thoughtful way. So the balance sheet starts to help us to generate a number we can really use to take a look at how much we really have on hand in cash. Now, 
the balance sheet may not actually be cash. You know, uh, if you could free up, you know, 30 grand by selling your home and buying a new one, that is not cash on hand. But as long as you know you would be willing to do it and it's not something where you have so much emotional attachment to your home that you wouldn't do that, you can list that as an asset. And you may actually have money saved and you can list that. And you may have household items that you are willing to sell, uh, like a, an old guitar that you don't use. You have three of them. You, you don't have an emotional attachment to it. The one thing you're not allowed to list on my balance sheet is you can't list, say, family jewelry that you know you would never sell. It just doesn't matter at this point. What we're looking at is how can we see a snapshot of the cash we actually have to apply to our problems, cash that is not tied up in retirement accounts and such like that. Of course, we run into these dilemmas as far as a lot of us have difficulty with money saved. When we have money saved, we tend to spend it, and that's why so many times our lifestyle rises to the level of our income. So those are issues we're going to have to tackle if we're going to uh, approach this in, in the way I'm talking about. But the first step is to begin to take these snapshots from year to year of your financial statements. So this is just one component of that. So in additional podcasts, I will get into more detail uh, periodically on how it is that you can combine these business financial statements for the purposes of getting yourself a little free and clear at an earlier point in your life. Uh, it doesn't mean you'll be able to stop working, but it means you might be able to change the nature of your work and you might be able to free up that all-important side venture time that you're going to need to launch a particular side venture uh, or some other kind of pursuit that will generate additional income for you. So this is the way we do this, is by taking a look at our overall financial health. And you won't get all of it from one document. A balance sheet, for example, it might not give you a close window into the income you're making and the expenses you have on that income and how that's changing from year to year. So the balance sheet's only going to show you some things. It's not going to show you everything. But what it's really good at showing you is debt. So it helps you to see, for example, uh, you might be doing really well on the surface, but then you realize, well, actually, we accumulated $4,000 in consumer debt last year. So uh, on on certain income statements, that might not show up. It might not be clear that you accumulated that debt. The balance sheet's going to force you to come clean on your debts and list all of them. And so that's basically going to contrast against whatever assets you have and so hopefully we can make some progress, and we understand, of course, that life throws a lot of contingencies at us, and so not every year to year is going to be progress in this area. Sometimes we are going to have setbacks. But I, what I'm hoping is that this podcast and the additional ones I do in this area will begin to give a little better context for this approach, because it's a little bit different than approaches you've seen before, because the emphasis is on putting your money to work for you now, not 30 years from now, 40 years from now. And the emphasis is also not putting so much faith in particular vehicles, whether it's uh, some type of protected IRA or uh, maybe a, a home where, okay, we think we're making money on this, but sometimes real estate doesn't appreciate the way we expected and assumed that it would. And so when we're living in a home and we have emotional ties to our home, that can basically hurt us when it comes time to stepping back and assessing it as an asset in a more objective manner. So uh, that's one view of 
how to approach finances in a way that can really help us fund our ventures. So as you look through the different chapters in the book, you'll get a better feeling for why I'm emphasizing this approach. And then, like I said, I will return to this series on finance and see if I can offer some more insights because I realize it's a lot to uh, knock off in one podcast. But I hope this has helped to give a little bit better sense of how these items are approached. And by the way, in the book version of this, I go into even more detail as far as different examples that I use uh, for uh, balance sheets and for financial reporting in general. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and I hope you come back soon for more Free From Corporate America. I'm doing my radio show right now about once a week and posting the podcast right after that. Thank you for joining me.